I'm here uh, with Elizabeth Shard Cooper. She is a curator at the Coventry Transport Museum and she created this fantastic exhibition, Women in Motorsport, that you can see in the Coventry Transport Museum until the end of May. Hello, Liz. Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right, and you? I'm good, thank you. First, thank you so much for accepting being interviewed for Coventry Hospital Radio. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's our pleasure also. And um, first question, what did inspire you to create an exhibition about women in motorsport? Well, over the last seven years of working at the Transport Museum, I've come across many really interesting stories about women um, all the way back to the really early days of motoring. So I wanted to try and find a way to make sure we could celebrate the role that women have played within the development of motorsports over that period. Oh, that's very interesting. And we have amazing stories, amazing examples. Absolutely. You name it, women have been there. They may not have been really obvious and they might not have been the person that you would automatically think of as involved in motorsports, um, but they've been the driver right from the beginning with Bertha Benz and uh, the development of the first Benz motor car. Yes. Um, how was gathering all the information? Now, I know you did it in a very difficult period of time. Normally, when you do an exhibition, you go and meet people that are going to contribute. You go and talk to them about it face to face. You go and have a look at things that they might have. Um, unfortunately, we had to do this during lockdown. So a lot of the time, I haven't met a lot of these in person. So I've been doing it over the internet with a dreaded Teams meeting and Zooms um, and lots of emails and phone calls. So it's been a little bit more challenging from the logistics, but it's been fun at the same time. Yeah. Were, were they receptive? Absolutely. So to start with, we had lots and lots of positive feedback. Uh, when lockdowns kicked in, obviously these are all people that have got their own jobs. Uh, so they might do motorsports as a passion or they might be part of a team that has um, a professional role uh, as well to do. So when we hit lockdown, they all kind of went into survival mode and had to quite rightly concentrate on their proper jobs rather than talking to me. So it took a little bit more um, to get them to actually be able to give us what they needed to because they were trying to, to get their proper jobs done and, and survive. Yes, of course, I can imagine. It was quite a, a challenging time for everyone. Absolutely. The whole racing scene, again, we weren't able to go to meets like we would normally have done. So I would have been out and about, a bit like you, um, yeah. recording them and grabbing people at, at meetings and, and at races. And we couldn't do any of those because those events weren't happening. So we had to be a little bit more innovative in our approach. Did this research about women in motorsports made you look to this subject with different eyes? Yes, it did in a way. Uh, I was always aware that women had been there um, through other research and other reasons, uh, but I wasn't quite aware just how many women were currently involved in it and how much of a groundswell it has been in the last few years to get women much more involved. Uh, it was really surprising and really pleasantly surprising to see just how many of the companies today are really actively pushing to get women into motorsport and women into STEM careers as well. Yeah. And they are doing uh, different roles, a very good diversity of roles. Yeah, yeah very much so. You, basically, women are everywhere um, within the industry now. Um, they might only not have the numbers quite of their male counterparts, but they are beginning to show through uh, in lots of different ways. So you look at strategy for the F1 teams, a lot of the, the leading strategists are, are women. 
Um, you look at some of the designs and the engineering, and again, you get women populating those areas really um, quite well in, in the last few years. And there's a lot of support now uh, with networks and connecting uh, with companies and clubs coming together to try and push women um, to think about this as a potential career for them that isn't just a, a hobby. It isn't just about passion anymore and just doing it in your spare time. It is actually something that you can turn into a proper career if you wish. Yeah. Can you tell us um, uh, how, how has been the path that women have been developing until nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at different points in time, you have lots of different ways into it. So uh, a lot of the, the racing uh, women and the rallying women uh, in the 1940s, 50s and 60s uh, were racing in, alongside their husband. So if you talk to some of them, they'll talk about the fact that in order to go abroad and race in Europe, they had to be accompanied, they had to have a chaperone with them. So it was just easier if they if they had a husband that liked racing, that they would go along and suddenly they ended up getting impassionate about it and being the driver as well. Um, today, if you're interested in becoming a, a driver or a pilot, you normally end up um, starting at a really young level and a really young age and coming up through karting, something like that. Um, but again, a lot of the women that are that have made it their career today in the, the back areas, not the, the driving seats, but in the engineer pits and, and mechanic side of things, have come into it via their family as well. So they might have a mum or a dad who've been passionate about it. Um, so one really good example is our, our little drag racer, uh, Ada, who lives in Hinkley, so not far away. Uh, her whole family are part of that drag team and her dad and, and mum are both the technicians that look after the car and she's been racing for several years even though she's only nine now uh, and her brother races as well so it's a really family enterprise oh that's lovely um and for the women that want to um, if they don't have a family history or if they want to do by themselves what do you think is the biggest challenges I think probably it's having the confidence to walk into the first club or the first meet and actually go along. So when you start talking to the women that are there, they all have one really good top tip and, and advice, which is go to the races, go to the tracks, talk to people, make contact with the teams and ask them about what it's like to do it. And once you ask that question, the people on the other side are all so passionate that you get dragged in um, without even realising it. And suddenly you find yourself... Uh, two, three months later, being a marshal, starting off and volunteering on the side of a track, doing safety roles and, and learning more about what you do. Yes, and nowadays there are more initiatives, more organisations that um, give the example and they try to encourage the new generations. Yep, absolutely. So we have been working with Girls on Track, um, looking specifically at getting young um, girls interested in motorsports as a career. They came to the museum and did two days of events with us. We had well over 160 young girls um, getting totally enthused about the whole thing, uh, which was lovely to see them running around. It was also lovely because uh, they were the same age as Ada, our drag driver, and she was signing their t-shirts. So they were going away with a driver's autograph and the driver was the same age as her or those people. And it was quite fun to watch. Yes. Um, but there's other organisations out there as well that we've worked with. Um, so we've worked with Racing Pride, um, looking at making it a more 
inclusive uh, environment. Um, and we're also looking at, and we're working with a, a really nice um, organisation called Better Together, which is all designed to help clubs encourage more women to take part at a grassroots level. No, that's fabulous. Um, what visitors can see uh, in the exhibition? Yeah, so the visitors, when they walk in, um, they'll see a, a brief history and some interesting stories that we've pulled out from the past um, and, and women from um, the early days of Bertha Benz all the way through to 2021 and Jamie Chadwick uh, and W Series. Um, we've got a section that looks at safety and the gear that the drivers and the pit crews have to wear to keep them safe and how that's developed. Uh, we've got some interactives that you can try. You can test your reactions and see how fast you are. Um, you can have a, a look at some F1 car uh, we've got on display. So we've got the Williams 2021 show car on display. And we've got a, a Formula E car on loan as well from, from Jaguar. So we've got a nice mix as well. If you have to choose one or two stories about some of the women, what would you, would you pick? Oh, that's a really tough one. There's so many nice stories that I could, can relate to. Um, you've got scandalous stories about women uh, like uh, the Honourable Victoria Bruce, who uh, was a motorcyclist as well as, as a car driver and pilot. Um, she was scandalous, but she started off um, getting involved in it because she had a love for speed. Uh, she got pulled over by the police um, for driving her brother's motorcycle um, and speeding in London. Uh, got pulled over and ended up going to the court and uh, the, drive, the magistrate uh, dismissed the charges because he couldn't believe that a woman would drive that fast which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and about two months later, she got caught doing exactly the same thing and she oh. didn't get off that time. Um, but there's some really nice stories like that. And then mm. the other end of the scale, when you talk to people like Sarah Moore, who's a, a W Series driver today, uh, and she's very, very matter-of-fact about the fact that last year she had quite a bad accident um, mm -hmm. and about seven cars drove over the top of her head while, while oh. she was in, that, um, in her car at on the on the track um she just mentions it matter of fact that yeah she had it could have been a better day for her she yes but did, she didn't stop she didn't she didn't. She, she had to, <laughs> to stop the race yes um, but then and we we have her helmet on display as well so if you yes. have a look at it it's got a couple of cracks in it but that's it but again without all the safety gear um she probably wouldn't be here today um, no, but it's course. just another mm -hmm. day for her it's just another day doing her job so there's some really interesting stories both modern and past, uh, hopefully represented in the exhibition. Yes, um, obviously I saw already the exhibition and it's fantastic, very interesting. And the more we learn, the more we search, the more we feel fascinated by it. Absolutely, and it's been a very collaborative uh, response as well. So we've got about 50 to 60 different voices and, and women represented in this exhibition. Um, and since it's been open, more have come forward. So we've got uh, people from Barbados and the racing teams and the marshals that work over in Barbados. They've, they've given us information. Uh, we have got some new information that's come in about motorcycle racing. Uh, mm -hmm. And during the exhibition, we were offered a, a, a speedway bike. So we've now got um, Francesca's speedway bike on display uh, as well. So that's something that's come up because it's been offered once we've opened um, and we're still building our knowledge base. So it's been really nice to continue the conversation with strangers uh, and pick up new stories along the way.
Yes, that, that's fantastic. Uh, can you tell us some curiosities that maybe the public don't know or don't think about it? Oh, there's so, so many. Um, <laughs> when you start looking at some of the objects that we've got on display, mm -hmm. you look at it and think, oh, well, that doesn't look very exciting. And then you, you hear the story that goes with it. So uh, Beatrice Schilling, a really famous uh, female engineer, we have her gold stars. And to get a gold star, you have to uh, go over 100 miles an hour uh, over a period of time at Brooklands. And there's only ever three women that have won those gold stars and been awarded, mm. and we've got it. And you look at it, and it's such a tiny little thing, but those gold stars mean so much to those individuals. Yes. And then she has also 16 dates. Yep. Yeah, 16 Does it dates. mean she participated yes. 16 times? Yep, absolutely. 100 miles an hour plus over 16 times. Yes. Uh, and about the helmets and or the suits, is there anything, any curiosity? But, yeah, there's there's gruesome things to go with it. So uh, if you look at a, a racing suit and a drivable wear, they've normally got epilepsy on their shoulder. And the reason for those is not to make them look funky. Uh, it's purely safety. It, they are the things that get grabbed by the marshal uh, if they need to get that driver out and they can't get themselves out, they'll grab those hooks and they'll pull them out. Um, I've learned all sorts of interesting facts along the way. So I now know, because I've handled um, the undergarments um, that are certificated by uh, F1 and the uh, FIA, who is the legislation body for it, as as um, proper official wear. So they have to be fire retardant um, undergarments. Uh, and, and everything has to have a ticket on it to prove with a little hologram that it's actually safe for them to wear. So they can't just wear whatever they want. Uh, mm. In the same way, the safety rules are really strict now. So uh, Lewis Hamilton got into trouble not that long ago because he was reported to be wearing jewellery uh, while mm -hmm. he raced. And it was a nose stud, I think. Um, but that's not allowed. You're not allowed to have okay. jewellery while you're racing because it adds to the danger side of things. Yes, I understand. I can imagine. Uh, and then if we think about the evolution from the beginning, the first helmets, the first clothes they used to wear, and nowadays, yeah, it's yeah, you've gone from flying <laughs> kind of biggles like flying goggles and leather helmets, which have no protection, mm -hmm. uh, to custom made. Um, that fitted to that particular person's head um, and then custom designed paint jobs on them as well. It's uh, very high tech. I have um, a little challenge for you. Maybe it's difficult, I don't know. If you had to describe this exhibition in three words, uh, what would you say? Just three words, Wolf. <laughs> yeah, I know um, it's difficult. <laughs> I would have to go for passionate mm -hmm. because everyone involved with this has been passionate whether that's been the designer or myself. And I'm really pleased with the design that we've got with it. It, it sort of conveys this, the sense of speed and the colour and the excitement of racing. Um, so passion has to be there as one of those. Um, I would say collaborative. So it's been really lovely to see so many members of the motorsports community take part and champion it. And it's been really lovely to see them come in and see and be so amazed to see their name up there with the greats. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as I'm concerned, it, it doesn't matter if they're a volunteer marshal um, or they're an apprentice engineer or they are the racer um, that makes a large amount of um, media about being part of it. They are all um, essential members of that community. So I would have to go for, for communities being one of those words. 
um, and ask for my third word. Oh, that's difficult. Um, I oh, yeah, innovative. Mm. I think mm-hmm. innovative because we've built into it lots of interactive for for children right from day one, um, and I would hope that that would help people um, view things in a slightly different way. Yes, and children, they are really being very receptive. They, they really enjoy those activities. Absolutely. Um, yep, we've got, they, they can test what types of cars are faster. They can feel what it feels like to be in the driver's seat and they can see how quick they can catch that ball and see how quick their reactions are. Yes, and what do you think is the future of women in motorsports? Do you mm. think there will be more women in Formula One, so. for example? I don't I, know. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, they're there in the background. Uh, mm-hmm. There's lots of positive initiatives uh, and there's lots of different opinion about whether W Series is a, a good thing or a bad thing because it's just for women. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, sorry to interrupt, can you explain to us what is the W Series? Maybe some listeners, they don't yep. know. Uh, so W Series is a, a race format that is only for women. Uh, they have an academy and then the best of the drivers go forward and they're actually now partnered with the F1 series so they're racing on the same tracks and often at the same time um, as the F1 teams are, are doing their races as well and it's all about trying to develop um, and prove that women have all of the right um, skills and experiences to become F1 drivers uh, and feed into it a little bit more. Yes, for example, Leila Lombardi, she proved Yeah, absolutely. She's a winner points, so yeah. she proved. Yeah, unfortunately, with a lot of the high level sports, in order to get that seat, uh, you've got to have quite a lot of resources. So one thing that has come through is the struggle for sponsorship. And a lot of women um, have all of the right skills, could take that seat, except for the fact they don't have the, the resources behind them to allow them to get that, that sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just needs to catch up. And I think once um, the business world see that women can hold their own and it is worth putting the money behind them I think we'll see an awful lot more drivers in yeah. in in that F1 and F2 series and I would hope as well that um, your listeners are all aware of things like the Formula Extreme that's also out there and the Formula E as well because those are two new formats that have come on mm-hmm. um, and it, again the women are there from day one then they're, they're pushing it and they're showing that they can do it just as well as boys yes so formula is electric vehicles yeah and formula extreme formula extreme is um an interesting concept it's only a couple of years old uh, they race more like cross-country valley buggy type things but they're okay. but they're um again it's a format that's designed to um, be more sustainable so much more green um so they go to a particular country they'll race in that country but they have as part of their race and part of their work in that country they all have to do something of legacy work with it so whether that's planting trees or whether that's working with young people um, in that area to try and draw attention to what's happening with the climate of that country and that area um, and bring some attention to that but at the same time do something practical and worthwhile on the ground as well no that's very interesting please if you were in motorsports what role would you play oh that's a really tough question there are some really great great jobs out there I think I'd probably go for volunteer marshal, something on the safety side of things, maybe in the pit lane or the person that has to run out and uh, make sure all the debris is cleared up properly. It's a small job, but it's really important and it also gets you really close to the action 
and it gets you really close to the pit crew so you get to see things that the public don't normally get to see. Um, will you think about it to volunteer or is something that... Sadly I'm not in a position to do that, I'm a little <laughs> bit busy in my personal life but if I, if I could, I would. Saying that, my niece is currently up in uh, Lancashire, um, a motorsports uh, scrambling and motorcycle club uh, safety marshal. So she stands on the on the side of the, the dirt track when they're doing their race preparation and their practice days and she's having a lovely time. Oh that's great, is she, she enjoying? Yeah she's really enjoying it, she's 16 and she's seeing all these boys on bikes and I'm not sure her mum quite approves of some of them but <laughs> never mind. Did she start recently or? Yeah she started about six months ago yeah. and she was, she was doing some during the summer and uh, the club were really welcoming and said we do need safety marshals off season as well when we're doing our practice runs. Would you care to help with that? So they invited her in and uh, she's carrying on. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, wonderful. Uh, Liz, it's been lovely talking with you. And this subject is so interesting. We could be here for hours talking absolutely, about it. Absolutely hours for me. Um, I have one last question for you and it's about hospital radio. <laughs> so, would you like to share with us your childhood experience with an hospital radio? Your mother was a yes. presenter? Yeah, my mum my uh, was a radio presenter in uh, Somerset at Musgrove Hospital mm -hmm. uh, back in the 80s. Um, so, as a child, I remember uh, having the, a whole tape machine in front of me at home and I, my job was to do the sound effects. She did this quiz where every week there'd be a noise and you had to guess what the noise was. It was always me um, in the background having to make the noise. So I've got random memories of having to squish jelly or pour things into bowls and, and make weird noises, uh, all of which was recorded. Uh, and then she'd uh, go in and do the hospital radio show. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, because before nowadays we had we have so much technology but before uh, they had to being really creative and trying to do all the the sounds and effects and then things absolutely there was no there were no TVs there were no there were yes. well probably was TVs there but not useful um, yeah. <laughs> there, there was no microphones no digital recording no, no. sound effects uh, and no computers to help them generate stuff as well so uh, it, it was a labor of love for her it would yes. take her about three or four hours to record one show, um, which would be what an hour long. Yes, um, but it was I understand. always fun. Mm -hmm. And she used to actually go out onto the wards as well and meet people that were listening to the radio. So that was always fun as well. Occasionally, mm -hmm. I got to go to. Ah, uh, you never thought keep doing or being a presenter? No, I'm I'm not great on the radio, so uh, oh. <laughs> I, I'm an uh, far too much. <laughs> do you listen to to radio? I do. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's nice. I'm I'm. She's actually very happy that I'm doing this piece with you today. Uh, it's taken her back, and we've had some nice conversations about what it was like to do it um, uh, for her. Yeah, I really hope she enjoys listening to it. Um, and thank you so much uh, for this interview. It was a huge pleasure. You're very welcome. And all the best for the exhibition. I hope we have many visitors. Thank you very much. During. Uh, until uh, it's until the end of May, yeah, right? End, end of May, 29th of May. 29th of May. Yeah. Well, all the best. Thank you, Liz. Thank you.